4: This month, we're marking the 10-year anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. When that storm hit, most people evacuated safely. But there was so much emotional trauma and loss. Loved ones, homes, careers, the lives people had known. Ten years have healed those wounds only so much. NPR's Patty Nayman reports.
5: Hermant's parent is a self-assured, outgoing woman, a lawyer and mother of two grown daughters. But today, 10 years after the storm...
0: I still have major grief issues. Major, I still have depression issues
5: Major, When Katrina came crashing into the city, Parent was frantic of the whereabouts of her 87-year-old mother. The nursing home where her mother lived said they had an evacuation plan, but communication was down.
0: I found out on CNN that my mother's nursing home had not evacuated. There were several that did not, and one particular one All the residents drowned. We didn't know which
5: one. Parent called city, state, and nursing home officials to find out if her mother was okay. There was no word. Days passed. Finally, she turned to the Red Cross, who found a survivor who fit her mother's description.
0: They faxed me a photograph, and it wasn't my mother.
5: Later that day, Parent found out her mother had survived. She'd been moved to the nursing home's second floor to escape the water. They had been there
0: all that week with no water. No air conditioning, no electricity, no food, no medicine the whole week.
5: Her mother was eventually airlifted to a nursing home in Tennessee. When Parent arrived at the home, she was shocked. Her mother wasn't speaking and didn't recognize her. She
0: just wasn't there anymore, mentally or emotionally. I mean, she was just so frail.
5: She never recovered and died within months, When Parent returned to her own home, which had been flooded with nearly eight feet of water, it was destroyed. Parent's law office was also ruined. She and her husband struggled to get insurance claims paid and loans to rebuild, but they had no luck. For her husband, the stress was huge, says Parent. Not long after her mother died, her husband Israel, at 58 years old, died of a massive heart attack. And years later, Parent is still struggling.
0: And the problem with mental health issues is they don't go away. You can try to bury them if you like, but they only get worse.
5: In the aftermath of Katrina, rates of trauma and depression escalated, and a new NPR Kaiser Family Foundation poll finds that today some people still have difficulty sleeping, controlling emotion. There are strains on marriage and problems with drugs and alcohol. Many who experience these problems say it's due to what they went through during Katrina. City health officials worry the 10th anniversary, with all its media attention, could provoke painful memories. A city campaign of PSAs and hotlines is set up to help people find counseling. And psychologists like Kim Van Geffen are running workshops to help residents cope.
6: My friends and I have been talking about how much do we really want to pay attention to the anniversary? Do we want to watch the news shows? Do we not want to watch the news shows? Do we want to do something that's totally unrelated to the hurricane? Just this desire to perhaps avoid the whole thing, although I don't know that that's
5: possible. Particularly when so many things can bring back feelings of panic and grief, images, sounds, even smells. There's a smell that we call the
6: Katrina smell that was related to the mold and mildew that grew on things. And, you know, I still have things in my garage that I've never really fully gone through. And if I open those boxes, you can still smell that smell. And it just brings you right back
5: to those times. But overall, today, according to federal statistics, mental health problems aren't greater in New Orleans than elsewhere in the country. And the NPR Kaiser poll offers some surprisingly positive findings. Seventy-four percent of adult surveyed say they're more resilient today as a result of Katrina. In her house not far from downtown, seven-year-old Yuri's thrilled to introduce her pets, a parakeet, a dog, and a cat named Sugar Pepper.
2: He's mixed with the alley cat, and he has a little orange on his cheek because he's
5: mixed with the orange cat. Ten years ago, Yuri's mom... Bryshen Gresham was a freshman at the University of New Orleans. With the city's history of hurricanes, she wasn't worried about Katrina until school officials forced students to evacuate. Gresham recalls walking with her roommate down the street as water started rushing, first at her ankles, then her knees, then her waist.
3: I had... The shirt on my back and the shoes and the pants on my body, you know, that's all I had.
5: With help from her roommate's father, Gresham enrolled in a college in Washington State, which offered scholarships to students evacuated from New Orleans. She focused on the arts and wrote a one-woman play, which she says helped her work through what had happened. The most beautiful moment, I guess, inside
3: the play was that every character had a pair of shoes And so I would switch from character to character just by stepping into the different shoes.
5: And when it came to the question of returning to New Orleans, each character had their say.
3: I had lined all of the shoes up, and the audience really didn't know if each character was going to come back. And then I finally said, you know, I am all of these people because they are me and these are my feelings. And I decided to come back to help my city, you know, to be the person that's going to help rebuild using the arts.
5: Today, Gresham's an elementary school teacher and learning music therapy. I
3: want to help kids to be able to do this same thing that Katrina helped me to do.
5: Recent research suggests trauma can build strength. Psychologist Jean Rhodes at the University of Massachusetts was studying poor single mothers in New Orleans when Katrina hit. She has found the majority not only bounced back to where they were before the storm, they actually experienced emotional growth. And many of them had never expected to leave New Orleans or never expected to leave
0: the relationships they were in, and they did. And because they lived through it and because they were able to be strong for themselves, their mothers and their children, they have a greater sense
5: of their own strengths. In fact, Rhodes says, the women who experienced the greatest amount of difficulty developed the greatest amount of strength.
7: context of white supremacy, Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Sunday, August 16th, 2015, so I have been told. This is our once a month early start with Shani. Again, the purpose of this program to encourage folks to participate uh number one, who are outside the u s uh who normally would not be able to chime in and participate uh in the programs because of the massive time difference uh also just you know regular loyal listeners uh who are in the states or wherever else you happen to be uh who <clears throat> are not able to join in our normal evening broadcast. I uh, wanted to try at least have a regular. Program that is on early in the day so that folks uh, have at least one opportunity on a monthly basis where they can call in, share their views, participate, uh, give any feedback. Uh, the number to dial is 760 569 7676, and the code is five six four pounds. Press star six if you would like to participate. That number again, which is about to change, uh, I think it's Wednesday, uh, the number will change. I'll make sure to post it and give out the new number uh, that'll be changing on white people are changing on Wednesday, but I'll make sure to give that out so people will have it. No need to panic if you get confused. Drop me an email untiljustice at gmail.com, but shouldn't be too difficult. Uh, that number again though 760 569 the code is 564-943 pound press star 6 if you would like to participate uh, the only comment that I will get in uh, before we hear from Shani and then I'll get folks that dialed in as well um Hurricane Katrina, the breach of the levees. It really should be breach of the levees, Hurricane Katrina. The hurricane never hit New Orleans, and the levees breached. Uh, one of the levees breached uh, before the hurricane even hit landfall. So, you know, to really be accurate about what happened, uh, this was totally preventable. Uh, this was, in my opinion, criminal negligence. Uh, judges have ruled that this was uh, deliberate reckless negligence and I'm just adding that it should be criminal as well at any rate uh, I think it's important certainly there are many many other things that are happening and uh, you know folks can can share about those I just think this is such a incredibly significant event easily I think one of the most important events that uh, has happened in the course of my life Uh, and it's just one of the most it is one of the most massive um, episodes of racism, white supremacy, as I've, I've been saying consistently, particularly when you get out and study. Like, when you get, like, the uh, I think Mr. Nero had said before, when you can get, like, the 50,000 foot aerial view of Hurricane Katrina, like, this is everything that happened. This is the lead up. This is what happened. This is one year after it happened. This is five years after it happened. This is 10 years after it happened. So you can really see. The impact of this on black—oh my God! It is—it is absolutely devastating. Uh, I think it's so important, and that's why I've been emphasizing it over uh, over this month. I've had many other people. I mean, it's just an extraordinary event. The sound clip that you heard at the beginning—I think that is so dangerous. Uh, I do not have a degree, uh, or actually, I do have a degree in psychology. <laughs> Excuse, beg pardon. I do have a psychology degree, but I do not have a doctorate. Uh, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, Uh, just a victim of white supremacy. That said, that is only the type of nonsense and it's so dangerous that they reserve for black people. I don't hear anybody go uh, to white people after Sandy Hook and say that you all are in a position to become immensely strong emotionally and that trauma is great. For making you a better person. Now come on. Let's buck up. You're going to be great. Nobody says that nonsense. Nobody. They reserve that sort of foolishness for black people to come to this black mother who lost her mom, drowned in the storm, lost her husband, another victim of the storm, single parent, totally dislocated, lost her profession, lost her house. (laughs) Hey, you are emotionally stronger. As a result of all of that. Let's let's have a round. I mean that is nuts and it's so dangerous. I cannot I mean I find that sort of thing extraordinarily insulting. It's anything to not perceive of black people as victims. You're talking about a group of people that were already traumatized and then have them in a situation where you heard people that were fleeing for their life. I said that yesterday that you had situations where this water was rolling like you heard. We started out, this was at my feet, and by the time we were rolling, this is at my ch- uh, stomach level now. Uh, people fleeing for their lives and tell me that, hey, now you are a stronger person as having gone through this. It is utter nonsense. It is the worst of tacky, trifling white supremacy. If, uh, if I am talking crazily, you can feel free to check me. Let me know. But uh, I just wanted to make sure I got that in. Shanny should be with us. Always grand to hear, uh, from her as well. Shanny, morning. Hello? Yes, ma'am.
6: Hey, Gus. How are you?
7: Right poorly. How are you doing?
6: Um, uh, doing okay. It's Sunday, so I'm trying to enjoy my day.
7: Right on. I hope you succeed. Uh, any, any, uh... Thing you would like to uh, share before uh, we get started? Anything on the top of your head? Anything about the audio clip you heard at the beginning? Or anything else? Um, well,
6: to be honest, I actually missed the audio clip in the beginning. Uh, was, was it was the clip about parking the train?
7: It was. It was uh, okay. following a black mother. Well, it had some different stories, but the one that they started with uh, was a black mom she her mom drowned in the storm she was in a okay or no or excuse me she did not drown she was in a nursing home oh. um they evacuated her but they evacuated her after like she had been there a week without her medication without electricity uh she was like on the second floor of a, a building that flooded and she was just stuck there uh for a week in like 97 degree heat so she she ultimately did die. She, she lingered on for a little while after that, but she did die. And her husband died as well. He had a massive heart attack, uh, because they like lost their house and all this other stuff. And they were saying that, uh, some of these people were a little depressed for a while, but they have recovered drastically. And, uh, going through trauma can make you emotionally stronger. That was kind of one of the big themes at the end, but that's a synopsis of the clip. Oh,
6: okay. Um, um, yeah, I yeah, like I said, I didn't get a chance to uh, listen to the, the clip in the beginning, but um, Hurricane Katrina is a very interesting situation, I have to say, because I actually got to see uh, the news clips um, from what was happening once the storm hit and once the storm uh, had left, and I've seen all the effects that it had on the people there. Um, it's very interesting to see that. Um, and uh, it's interesting because I seen uh, when the levees broke. It was a very good movie by Spike Lee, and um, I really feel that movie definitely went to depth and pretty much said what needed to be said about what was going on down there. I can't. I don't know if there's any other documentaries that talk about Hurricane Katrina, but that one really um, definitely shifts some light in the
8: situation.
7: Mm, there are quite a few. Um documentaries um there's one welcome to new orleans the one that i'm looking for if i can get some help is prisoners of katrina it's a bbc documentary about a group of inmates who were uh, trapped uh in the storm and there's i think a really popular photograph of them stuck on a bridge where it looks like they had to wade through some of the sewage uh to get to the bridge and you can see like the armed guards with them and everything uh the one that i just watched someone emailed me about it but i had already seen it uh they troubled the waters Uh, which shows like a black uh, married couple. It's a black uh, male and a female. They decide that they're not going to evacuate. And so they go around and they're shooting footage like the day, um, the day before the storm. So this is Sunday, the 28th, 2005. So they're shooting uh, and they show a lot of other black people who also decide that they're not going to leave and what they're doing and you know how they're preparing or not. Uh, And then it shows when uh, the storm hits and then it shows when the flood hits because of the levee breach. <clears throat> and uh one of the scenes that I thought was really important, uh the whole film is is pretty amazing, but one of the scenes that I thought was really important, uh, it shows uh I believe it's her brother and a neighbor are out and it's like chest deep water. So this is like five feet of or excuse me, not water, this is like five feet of sewage uh is out on oh the street. My God. And the storm is still like going on. So this is not like calm, sunny. This is like five feet of toxic sludge and it's like raining. The wind is blowing. Debris is flying around and he's like out chest deep in this, uh, trying to rescue people. Uh, and he saved a couple black people. And I mean, it was, it was just amazing. And I mean, to contrast that with most of what people heard, which was not even true. Uh, they're raping babies and there's snipers on oh. the roof shooting at helicopters, which was not true. They were, I think they said, uh, that inmates had broken out of the prison and taken all the guns, which was not true. Uh, they're I mean, just all of these lies, just blatant, total lies. Uh, and then the, they're looting, they're looting and stealing. Oh my God, new Orleans is burning <laughs> like all of this nonsense. And you had black people who were just struggling, trying to do the best that they could to try to save, you know, older people and children. And I mean, it's just a disgrace all the way around. Anyway, they troubled the waters. A great documentary as well. Hmm. let we'll to check that out.
6: Yeah, that, that was, I, I think I remember one scene from when the rubbies broke. I think it was the mayor or the national guard, the guy who came down there. Um, it was a non-white male who came down there to, because what happened was they had the national guard down there and they just had guns at everybody. They just were pointing their guns at everyone like they were all criminals, but everybody's trying to, you know, get to safety, and you're sitting there pointing a gun at them. It makes no sense. So the guy came down and had to evaluate the whole situation, was like, put the guns down. What are you doing? Like, put the guns, what are you doing? Like, he had to come down there. I don't know if it was Bush's idea, but the situation needed to get handled, and the guy came down there and was like, you need to help these people. Go get food. Why do you have guns on them? Stop putting the dial! I'm like, what are you doing? You know, and that really just so the situation because. And George Bush's mother said, huh! she was in the Superdome. She came to visit. I think she came to visit. I think with her son. They they went down there, and she's like, well, these people are already underprivileged anyway. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay. Only I was like, this lady is ridiculous, but um. Yeah, I haven't heard any. Have you heard anybody talking about it? I'm, isn't the anniversary coming up? Or is it started already? It's
7: uh, too. Like, I two? mean, a lot of there's, yes, I have seen a lot. Like NPR yeah. has a whole section uh, devoted to the 10-year anniversary of Katrina. So they're doing a lot of reports. Uh, New Orleans Public Radio has, they have a whole section devoted to the uh, anniversary of Katrina, the 10 year anniversary, uh, the times Picayune, which is the biggest paper, I think in, uh, Louisiana, that's the new Orleans paper. Uh, they have tons of material, obviously, uh, about the 10 year anniversary. Uh, the New York times has had some pieces. There've been some new books out. Uh, it's been quite a bit. It's like, it's, it's the the Chicago Tribune. I just mentioned they had an op-ed this week, uh, which you talked about with Barbara Bush. um, that has been common. Like she was, she didn't go to the superdome. She went to Houston, uh, where oh, some of the evacuees were. Okay. She made those comments about, um, mm-hmm. oh, this has been great. Basically, she was saying that this has been social uplift uh, for these, you know, impoverished Negroes. This is this is great, you know, the refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It was Crazy. it was tons of white people who said the same thing, basically, that this is great. This is a fantastic opportunity for for us to, uh, you know, rebuild New Orleans. We're, we're minus about 100,000 niggers that will never be back. I mean, this is fantastic. Like, I think Arnie Duncan said that about gutting public schools because they now have total charter schools in uh, New Orleans. I think they're the first city to do that. Uh, they destroyed public housing uh, after – I mean, they just did tons of things. And it was ton- – and just this week, the Chicago Tribune, they had a white woman. She wrote an op-ed piece where she said she was wishing that Chicago could have their own Katrina. Uh, cause it would be a great opportunity for them to solve all of their problems and the crime and corruption. And of course, tons of people were just furious, uh, in Louisiana and elsewhere and saying, this is really racist and blah, blah, blah. And she offered this really disgusting, uh, apology a day later. But, uh, there's been a significant amount of, uh, attention, more to come as it gets closer to the anniversary.
6: Yeah. I'm definitely have to take a look at some of the articles in regards to the anniversary. I, I haven't really. Um, I went. I something was obviously in my mind since Friday. I didn't sleep Friday night, and I had to go to my um, boyfriend's house the next day to help move. So I, I didn't get any sleep Friday night at all. Um, I don't know if it was because of the NWA movie, which I would like to get into that. But, um, Gus, can you give me 15 minutes and I'm going to come back?
7: 15 minutes and then we'll hear the NWA. Uh, your thoughts. Yes. On N- okay. That'll work. <laughs>
8: <'Cause> that means- <laughs> I guess you can let us know
7: unless you're going to, if you mute yourself, you can just announce when you return. If you hang up and okay. dial back in, then I'll just see you when you dial back in and put your hand up.
6: Oh yeah. I'll, um, I'll hang up and then I'll, I'll just dial
7: back in. Beautiful. We'll look for you in 15.
9: Okay.
7: All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, I did not mean this for this to turn into a referendum on uh, Katrina, although I certainly will not apologize because I mean, if you want to study racism, white supremacy, this is a great case study. Uh, there's lots of material, there's video, there are books that have been written by white people, by black people, um, more books to come. Some just came out, you know, recently with the anniversary and everything uh, coming up. I mean, a lot of pivotal figures of the last quarter century um, have spoken out about this or did films on this. The film that I was talking about, Danny Glover was involved with. Uh, there's a lot that you can uh, learn in all areas of people activity. Uh, it's just a really devastating uh, illustration of white supremacy in my opinion. Uh, and again, it's one of those that I would encourage folks to remember and bring up immediately. Anytime people start talking about, you know, black people having an army and we can do what we want and overpower white people are nothing and blah, blah, blah. You know, I would just remind them where black power was during this horrendous episode, uh, because we certainly could have used some of it, uh, down in, uh, Southern Louisiana and other spots where black people were suffering. With that, uh, we will hit the phone lines if folks have commentary they would like to get in. Uh, Certainly Katrina commentary is uh, encouraged over the next 30 days or so. Uh, But other comments, I guess if you have NWA comments, you could wait since that was something Shani wanted to talk about. I actually had commentary on that uh, myself. Uh, But there are other things that are happening this week. Also, uh, feel free if you do not want to talk about Katrina. That's great, too. Uh, all the folks who dialed in with a hand up should be with us. Uh, feel free to chime in. Greetings. Sir. Greetings. Good to hear from you, sir.
4: Yes, sir. Uh, Yeah, I I was kind of like looking forward for the uh, report on uh, NWA. Um, uh, I've already commented on uh, Katrina. And as you were saying, uh, it was uh, very devastating. And whoever thinks that we have uh, some sort of... uh, Black Army it sure could have been uh utilized during that period of time i have used that example uh to uh kind of like uh in a question mode uh with uh when I'm talking around other black people who have this uh uh kind of like unrealistic uh, understanding of uh the system of racism white supremacy uh, because that definitely was a uh case study on its practice, meaning the practice of racism and white supremacy where a probably about a 25 to 30 year old white male had within his hands, uh, maybe a hundred black families that he probably, uh, uh, was viewing from his helicopter, uh, begging to literally be taken off the roofs of their homes Uh, and uh, with that mercy of uh, of these people Uh, that was a uh, a consistent uh, uh, view that was being shown uh, live and through photographs uh right at the uh the moment of the of the flooding, because as you said that the the water levels reached high proportions deadly proportions uh in a in a very short period of time, whereas people could not react to uh what was going on. Most people just kind of like figured that okay well, if I can quote unquote weather the storm itself the winds that, uh, everything would be all right. No one planned for the water. I don't think. Uh, and, uh, and for, from a, from a, uh, public works standpoint, uh, I think that's what it's called when you are talking about things that, are uh, facilities that are supposed to accommodate, uh, families and people and whatnot. It's earmarked for to mistreat black people where we are allowed to stay at. Uh, those areas that the, the lighting is poor, uh, even even the street lights in a lot of places are, are not real good in areas where non white black people have to stay at. So when something like a, a uh, bad weather or some type comes around, it only makes it even more uh, uh, difficult. And, uh, I know some people know it other than me, you know, about that, those, uh, possibilities. But, uh, I'll kind of like, uh, relinquish the, uh, the talking and listen if someone someone else has something to say.
7: Everybody. Can... Oh, yes, sir. Go right ahead. Uh, first of all, I'm a first time caller. All right, on. And...
10: Uh, listening for the last few months, and let me start a little bit with a question, and that is: Has anyone heard any criticism of the United States Coast Guard
7: doing the, the Katrina Reese response? I've heard uh, I've heard them singled out for praise. I think the former mayor of New Orleans uh, singled them out and said that they uh, did a uniquely. Uh, outstanding job with the resources that they had and going out and, and trying to rescue people. Uh, I think uh, I, one of the different journalists uh, talked about that. I think there's a book specifically on the Coast Guard and their role uh, in the cleanup. I've heard a lot of people who are uh, very have much adulation uh, for the Coast Guard's response in all this. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I have not been paying attention for all of the
10: Um, what's been said in the news about Katrina. My particular role in Katrina, I was in the U.S. Coast Guard when that happened, and not only just in the Coast Guard, I was a search-and-rescue mission command supervisor sent from the Coast Guard's largest operational command down to uh, coordinate, if you will, assist in the search-and-rescue efforts of the Louisiana efforts, and I can offer sort of a unique perspective as to, number one, what we did, and number two, some of the other things that was going on behind the scenes in some of those rooms that people don't know exist, that is in relation to the uh, to the response that the entire nation had to go through. I was also there when Hurricane Rita rolled through afterwards, um, not necessarily affecting New Orleans as much, but definitely affecting the western portion of the state. I'll give you an interesting observation that I noticed. Um, so when I say I was in command, pretty much the search and rescue assets in that area were under my influence, not some of them, all of them for the U.S. Coast Guard. But if we forget about something then we may, or some things don't come up. Then we may not necessarily realize how detrimental, not just the federal response was, but everybody's response. Um, I'll share this, and then I'll sort of drop off. Um, right after the storm, we had Rita roll through, and Coast Guard, my people, we set, I'd set my people home. The majority of them because the basics of the recovery were uh, no longer a maritime incident. Um, we sent our birds home too. Of course, we pre deploy in the area when we know a storm is coming through. But when Rita rolled through, I'll never forget being in this, the Louisiana State and Operations Center, and we sent most of our birds home. The people were tired because we worked them too hard, and we worked the birds too hard. I think one of the best things about that storm, in addition to the number of people we were able to assist, but one of the best things about that storm was that we lost nobody. But when Rita rolled through, I'll never forget the fact that we saved a town on the southern coast of Louisiana called Dulac, just about everybody in that town. And we did it with assets that were not supposed to fly in that kind of territory or those kind of conditions. And the thing that I want to share is that when I announced to the entire arena, if you will, the State Emergency Operations Center, that we would saved the, the whole town, you know what? There was silence on the line. Here I am in this room with several hundred people, state agencies, federal agencies, and local agencies, and nobody gave a flip. And that's where I'll end right now. So,
7: thanks for allowing me the opportunity to speak about that. Thank you. Definitely appreciate that, and uh, thank you for a job well done. Uh, good to hear. Uh, you are you a uh, black male? I am a black male since retired in 2012. All oh, right on awesome to hear that uh, a black male uh, was intricately involved uh, in and as I've said what I have heard uh, unanimously uh, celebrated effort uh, from the Coast Guard uh, down with limited resources doing uh, just phenomenal work above and beyond the call of duty uh, to help out uh, a lot of black citizens who were uh, suffering but Congratulations and again, thanks for a job well done, and thank you for sharing because that just again shows the total contempt, which I think this this whole episode has shown uh, from beginning all the way through ten years on. Just total contempt for Black life. We went in and saved this whole town and tried to do a job well done, and yeah, <laughs> who cares? I'm sure you, being a Black male, they they were not, I'm sure, uh, inspired to. Uh, applaud or celebrate or or offer any congratulations for that either they'd rather save their nickels for darren wilson or a white person who's gunned down or sodomized a black person um, well i um just a little bit of a correction if i may mm-hmm. um number one
10: the reason i needed to to sort of let them know that we saved them was because i had to quiet the entire state eoc down so we could hear what was going on so we could organize a response and so I told everybody to be quiet. And so when it was over with, I had to tell them, number one, we did it. Here's the thing. Um, that town wasn't of black people. They were Native Americans. And it took me a while to realize, I mean, to figure out um, why nobody cared. I had no idea they were Native Americans. We don't care, obviously. But it bugged me so bad, I had to go to the locals in that State EOC and ask why doesn't anybody care about this? And they say that's because they're natives. So if they'd all died, they wouldn't have cared.
7: Nobody who'll that's be it? missed. Nobody that's who'll right. be I will, missed. <laughs> I will thank you. I will I will mute my line. Right on. Appreciate that, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, All the other folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, you should be with us.
11: May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Yes, I just want to say that I think Katrina and Hurricane Sandy, which was one that I experienced um, a week without power, um, dark, total darkness on the street at night, and police cars, driving around, it felt like um, martial law. I think what's really important is to be prepared for any kind of an emergency. Um, Some of the money that we save from not going to the movies and not, you know, financing um, white supremacy should go into um, like a survival kit. Um, I think it's important for us to have more than what we need so that we can help neighbors because I don't think that a lot of black people are thinking like this. Um, I think it's important to have a first aid kit. Important, of course, to have candles, flashlights. Um, I've even gone as far as to have like an emergency generator that is solar powered, so that you know if you don't if you live in an apartment or something, you don't really have the means to have a fuel generated uh, fuel generator. So I think these things are important, having blankets, um, having enough water to last you for at least 30 days, if not longer. Um, They have devices that will help you um, make water sanitary. I think it's important to also have frozen food that you can eat, that you can store, and that lasts for 20, 40 years or so. Um, And I think it's important to have what they call a bug-out bag if you have to leave home real quickly. Um, it, you know, you have what you need if that's medication or whatever that is. I just don't think our people are thinking like that, um, the majority of our people. And I think it's just so important to do that. Um, you know, I could be wrong, but I think it's really constructive for everybody to really look into this as soon as possible. Because, you know, the racists, they keep giving us hints that there's a so-called impending civil unrest which I, could, which I um, think is not black people rioting in the street. I think it's white supremacists saying that it's black people looting and rioting. I think that gives them an excuse to shoot us down in the street. So they say all this is pending and it's coming up. So I think it's just good to be prepared. And that's all I have to say. I, I mute my line.
7: Ashe, outstanding. Solar power generator. That is that is Awesome. Um, yeah, I think that's great. That's something people should definitely do. We've done some programs on that. And uh, if anything, one of the things that will stand, as I say, so many layers, one of the things that will stand out, it was a whole lot of children who got separated from parents. Uh, and, I mean, it was tons of this happening. Uh, where, And, I mean, in the evacuation, I'm talking about, like, seven eight-year-old children the child would end up in texas and the mom would end up in utah or you know i mean just craziness uh that happened um you definitely want to have a plan particularly if you have offspring you want to talk with them and kind of coordinate if something happens where you want to rendezvous at if your child has a cell phone you know where you all can kind of coordinate if communications are down and you all are separated just you know maybe organize where you want to try to meet at uh just it's very very important uh because you know when under this system disaster can strike at any moment uh so you want to do as much as you can to codify I'm uh, getting a little bit of wind if somebody if you're in a windy area if you could use your mute button um, that would be great. Any other folks that we haven't heard from on the line that had commentary they wanted to share? Oh, Shani should. Be? Yes, go ahead.
1: I'm not sure. If somebody, if, somebody, if it's a first time caller, I can hold on.
7: Uh, have you spoken yet? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay, uh, good evening to us and to all the callers. Um, great show last night. Um, I want to share a, a little bit about my Katrina experience. Um, I was living in um, the southernmost uh, city of any significance in Oregon, uh, called Ashland, Oregon, uh, in 2005 in August, and I uh, saw what was happening on the television set, and I went down to volunteer at the Red Cross. And normally I think it takes about two weeks for orientation and so forth, but they rush this through in a weekend and issued us Chase Manhattan credit cards, and we called a plane, uh, except I went to a place called Gulfport, Mississippi. It was a Navy CP station, which was right next to Biloxi, and there were about 500 of us from all different parts of the country um, that slept on Army cots, and they piped in air and so forth and set us up and had uh, outside latrines and, and so forth. Um, and um, I was uh, working in an area called MIMA. It was the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. It was a liaison between the Red Cross and the people that were coordinated. Um, um, and there was an interesting thing uh, that I didn't know at the time. I saw these guys. They actually had a cruise ship, and they had these gambling barges that had washed up uh, from the devastation. And I found out later that actually Mississippi took the brunt of Katrina and the flooding um Lake lit- train. I think what happened in New Orleans with the levees broke, but the actual hurricane actually hit um, Mississippi and the devastation was, was pretty extensive. And I saw these guys. Uh, they were very elitist-looking and they were carrying automatic weapons. Um, and I found out later they were, uh, um, oh God, what's the, uh, the Eric Prince, um, oh, he changed the name of the organization, um, Blackwater. Um, they were there. Um, we didn't know, remember Blackwater was not a household name back in 2005, uh, in August. They later, uh, um, um, came into prominence when, uh, and when they went into the war, but they were there. Uh, and I have no idea why they were there, but they were there. Uh, and we found out later was a lot of hush-hush, and I thought I would uh share that experience. Um and um so that's pretty much it. I will uh mute my line. Thank you.
7: Mm, there's uh, reporting. That's why I said there's so many layers, um, because that was reported with uh New Orleans as well, the presence of Blackwater, uh the allegations that Mr. Reed brought up last night, uh where Cynthia McKinney said that military personnel told her that five hundred uh inmates were executed. Uh, during the whole Katrina and the the breach of the levees, just, I mean, it's so many layers, but yeah, that, that was also reported there. And I think that's significant also because this was an opportunity of just total mayhem uh, for, I mean, they evacuated the city like (laughs) until I think until like the first week of October. So, I mean, you had heavy military presence, just keeping people out, not even allowing people uh, to enter the city. Uh, And then even I think after they opened the city back up, certain parts were still restricted. I think they kept people out of the Ninth Ward for a particular long time as well with armed uh, personnel. Uh, And this was an opportunity where white people just looked to execute black people. You had the governor on TV talking about shoot to kill orders uh, because people were looting and raping babies, which was not happening. The raping babies part uh, but those orders being given, and white people just going out and shooting black people. Uh, we had A.C. Thompson on the program, uh, who's in Spike the follow-up to When the Levees Broke that Spike Lee did. Um, if the if God is willing and the creek don't rise, A.C. Thompson is in that, and they talk about uh, the incident on or Bridge, and, and I mean it's just so many layers. But yeah, that is very important as well um, in terms of the the military presence, and and anytime you have an increased number of armed white people. Uh, who are authorized to be in your area enforcing white law. I mean, that is cause for grave concern. Uh, any folks that, uh, have not shared. Shani should be back with us uh, as well. Any folks that we hadn't heard from.
12: Yes, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes. I spoke last night about some of my experiences and some of the experiences of my family. Um, one of the things that uh, I think I talked about this when we were reading the Malcolm X book Malcolm X's autobiography, that was when I started reading that book and that helped me get a better understanding of what racism and white supremacy is because you saw all the mistreatment during that time and I, I was just trying to figure out what was happening and why and You know, uh, there was there was a moment where my uh, anti-blackness came to uh, came to the surface because I I, uh, I believed for a second that the raping of the babies and all that was happening, but then you know subsequent uh, reports came out to prove that that was false, and that was when I realized that a lot of that was, uh, propaganda to, uh, to, um, to drum up, uh, to drum up, uh, uh, this, uh, sense of, uh, not really caring about what's going on in New Orleans because, you know, it's a maturity life city. (coughs) And I remember... Uh, Months afterwards, when Ray Nagin made that comment about, you know, uh, New Orleans is a chocolate city, a lot of white people got upset with him for saying that because, you know, that suggested that, you know, New Orleans is a city that's only for black people, but, you know, uh, and and also white people supported Ray Nagin. So it it was it was uh, it was very interesting to see all play out because that was something I would never saw before, in part because I wasn't paying attention. But um, yeah, it, the city itself it has changed. I was talking to a lady uh, a couple of weeks ago who said she hasn't been in in New Orleans for a couple of decades. And, you know, she was reminiscing on the stuff that she was, uh, that she saw and noticed that, you know, the city has drastically changed because I know, uh, charity hospital, the main hospital in new Orleans has been closed up since Katrina. And it's this big, uh, huge building, uh, that's totally abandoned or what we think is abandoned. And they had built this new, um, medical complex not that far up the street just opened but they uh, in the process of building that, they had to push some uh, people out and that included uh, some white people and that was a big controversy as well <clears throat> excuse me um, I think that's all I wanted to share but uh, yeah that's all I wanted to share thank you
7: Yeah, I think a lot of people got caught up in the uh, anti-blackness that these black people deserved what they got. They should have evacuated. You know, that's what they got, you know, for staying there. Or they were raping and looting and all the other stuff that they were acu- sniping on the roof of helicopters, all the other stuff that they were accused of doing. I think that happens uh, to a lot of people. I think even Michael Eric Dyson talks about that in his book, uh, Come Hell or High Water, uh, which is about. the the breach of the levees and the storm and the aftermath and how racism played a part in, in all of that. Uh, I, I, I do, I'm sorry. I do have something else to
12: share mm -hmm. if that's okay. Okay. Um, just the year before in 2004, there was a storm called hurricane. Ivan, and that was uh, a big storm that almost, uh, hit the city. And that was uh, a wake up call to my, me and my family because we left, uh, we left the uh, city, we left our area to go to Texas, but uh, we ended up being in Baton Rouge after being on the road for 12 hours. And if you know, the distance between New Orleans and Baton Rouge is only about an hour and a half to a two-hour trip. So the traffic was terrible during '04. During, during <clears throat> but in '05. We we learned about the uh, uh, hurricane Katrina when it was still in the Gulf after it hit uh, Southern Florida uh, on that Saturday, and we evacuated. We did. We took it serious because it was a uh, Category Five hurricane in the Gulf. But I know a lot of people didn't take it seriously because you know they either thought the the storm wouldn't hit because there was a lot of reports in the news that the, uh, there was a chance that the Hurricane might not hit, or it would hit, so we wasn't really sure, but we, uh, my family took it serious, and we packed up everything. <clears throat> but I know a lot of people thought that it was just a weekend thing, so they only took a weekend's worth of clothes, or, you know, they didn't really do too much, and I know my, uh, my aunt, uh, she had just bought uh, groceries that weekend. And all that was wasted uh, because, you know, we didn't know how bad this, uh, how bad the reaction to the storm would be, I should say. Because uh, you're right, the uh, storm didn't uh, didn't hit the city because uh, the city survived the storm. It was the uh, levees that broke, that flooded the city. That was what uh, caused the uh, massive disaster
7: and that's all I have to share. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh Shani, are you back with us? Hello? Yes, ma'am. You uh yes, I'm here. Right on. Right on. Uh folks uh in your absence, they had okay. brought up the NWA and wanted to hear your views on that Did you want to give us the rundown or actually before we even get to that. Uh, so for folks who do not know, Shani does have a white mom, black father. Um, and you update us, uh, on these monthly programs about how your mom has been practicing racism. The update, uh, how has your white mom been practicing racism? Um, well,
6: recently I believe, last time, I think it was with the the Sam Du Bois situation. Um, cause like I said, me and my family, we sit together and we watch the news and, you know, we we
8: critique it in our
6: own way. And uh, she just kept bringing up saying, you know, if only these black guys just don't run from the cops. You know, and I'm like, he wasn't running right from the cops. He's in the car. We don't know. Well, if he didn't drive away, I'm like, He didn't drive away. When the cop shot him, he might have had his gas on the pedal to go, but once the cop shot him, the impact caused the car, the reaction to the car, to push his foot on the pedal to to hit into, I think he hit into a pole. So that that was the reaction from the the cop shooting him in the head. So I don't know what you're talking about. So he just kind of looked at me and was like, whatever. And my dad's like, oh, I didn't know all that. You know, because they were sitting there arguing, and my dad's, like, telling her, like, I don't understand what's wrong with these cops. They're just shooting people just because they can, and da 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 And she was like, well, if they just listened to the cops, you know, everything would be fine. And then she'd just keep going, saying, like, you know, if it was a white person who was in this situation, you know, I'm sure the, the, the person would comply with the cops. Um, they could, and nothing would happen to them, and even if they didn't comply. Nothing will happen to them. It's just a simple fact of being black, you know? So, I, I, like I said, you know, we have these arguments a lot. Um, I noticed she also has been trying to avoid the arguments. Anytime I talk about um, anything involving racism, like the NWA movie, you know, I told her I went to go see the movie Friday. She's like, oh, how was it? I'm like, it was good. And I start talking about the police brutality, and then she kind of just wasn't paying attention. So she's been doing a lot of that lately, just not paying attention to me when I'm talking to her about racism.
7: But, um, I have to insert my PSA. Uh, I definitely do not encourage. In fact, I strongly discourage and recommend that listeners, cows, listeners uh, refrain from going to the movies uh, to see anything in WA or anything else. Uh, I feel like that's just supporting uh economic terrorism uh against black people uh it's no need to finance white people to further abuse and rape pillage black people uh that's one thing that we could do we're not i think that was mentioned before we can save those coins and get a solar power generator or other things that we need to solve problems uh if you you can any films that are out you can just wait and get the dvd at the library. Netflix, whatever there are many other means uh free means cheaper means to uh access video entertainment. thank you for the p s a so n w a you went to see it on Friday, and your thoughts
8: um
7: it
6: was a good movie. I felt that um the director did a good job of uh you know pretty much discussing what went on with the group um and the actors did a good job. Um I'm glad they didn't get actors that were already known. Um, uh, just because I guess I felt like it was making more authentic. just, you know, I felt like it was good they got people who you know, who never acted before, but when they did it, you know, they can they can be the person of the movie instead of having like I don't know, Michael B. Jordan playing Drake, which was supposed to happen and they turned him down. Not only did they turn him down for that, it was also because um, Fantastic Four was around that time. So yeah, he got turned down for that. But, um, other than that, the movie did a good job, you know, displaying what happened, you know, with them, their views on the police. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not really an NWA fan. I'm a public enemy. Um, I doubt they'll ever make a movie about a public enemy because nobody probably will not even allow it. And it's just different because, you know, they talked more about like gang violence and, you know, um, just stuff involving games, mostly, and but it was interesting to watch it. If it if it is how their the perspective looking at it is, it's interesting to watch it because these guys just grew up in the hood. That's what their art the art that they're portraying was the reality. So before I watched this movie, I looked at them like they were like, okay, they're just you know. Let's just say, this movie makes you feel bad for them. Like, mm-hmm. it makes you feel like, oh, wow, these guys were actually good guys. But from what before I knew this movie, from what I've known, you know, Public Enemy was trying to go on a more positive route for that. and And N.W.A. was not, they were doing it in a different way. It was more regressive, but they still had the drugs the sex and the girls, but Public well, Enemy had a different approach. That's why I respected Public Enemy more. When I watched this movie they had this propaganda where to make it look like, you know, these people you know, the group in the hood, but they weren't act they were saying they weren't I mean they weren't in it in the gang. The only person I think was Eze who was somewhat in the gang life and trying to get out of it. But the other two they weren't in a gang. They just happened to be around it. So you they they had that in the beginning before all the stuff went down with the police to make you feel bad for them. So when the police did harass them, you're like, oh, these guys are good, you know. Well, very interesting how they did that with the movie. A lot of, I think there was a good amount of propaganda with it. But other than that, um, I thought the movie was, it was an entertaining movie. I wouldn't say like, okay, you know, okay, this is a movie that we can just, you know, let we can discuss it and be like, this is a great movie to like discuss in regard to you know how people get out of gang violence. It's it's an entertaining movie, I will say. But like I said,
7: okay. That's uh, sufficient,
8: so
7: that's sufficient, yeah, that is fascinating. I definitely wouldn't go uh see the movie uh I could say that three or four times, I definitely <laughs> would not encourage going to uh see the movie uh, I'll catch it when i when I catch it. I will say that Mr. Scotty Reed, founder of the Black Talk Radio Network, he mentioned uh Minister. Paul Walker, uh, make sure I have the name correct, but um, he wrote a review for the NWA uh, program, or the NWA movie, uh, Straight Outta Con Man. Straight Outta Con Man is the name of the film, and I believe it's it's linked in the description for the program. If you can't find it, just let me know, and I'll I'll hook you up. Uh, The portion... It's Minister Paul Scott, Minister Paul Scott. Uh, The portion that Mr. Reed read on the program last night reads, I must admit the way the music industry used N.W.A. was wickedly brilliant. While Public Enemy was trying to save black lives, they created a group to destroy them. So N.W.A.'s two politically aware songs served only as a Trojan horse to bring people into the real agenda, prophetizing the destruction of the black community. Matter of fact, NWA did not even deny the nefarious plot to overthrow conscious hip hop with gangstaism. They bragged about it. According to Vibe magazine writer Chio Adoria Coker, Dr. Dre even admitted that NWA was created to be the alternative to conscious rap. Uh, you can read the rest of it for yourself, Minister. Paul Scott, straight outta con man, is the title uh, of the article or the review, rather, for the film. It just came out this month. Um, I know other folks wanted to uh, chat on this as well. Oh. Uh, Gus? Yes. Can I
6: say
7: something? Uh, be concise. Huh? I said be concise.
6: Okay, you're going to have to get back to me, because um, there's some other things that went on during, not during the movie, but before I got into the
11: movie.
7: Uh, is it like, t- is it related to the film, or is it just like some tangential racism or observations uh, as you Racism. Were- oh, okay. We'll make sure.
6: Yeah. Okay,
7: we'll get that in as well. Did <laughs> folks uh, have comments uh, on the the film? Per se, that they wanted to share, and then we'll get her observations in wrap to the film.
9: Good afternoon, Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, good afternoon, guests and the guests and other callers. Um, I saw the film last night with my wife. I was kind of back and forth in terms of whether to support it economically or wait until I could find a link to watch it online. Um, I saw the film from a personal perspective because I had a history of being involved as a music journalist with a lot of NWA music. I actually went to that Eazy-E Wet and Wild party that they showed in the movie. I went to a number of their events back then as a music journalist. So I wanted to see from that perspective how accurate they were going to be in terms of depicting many of the things that I personally witnessed or I know people who personally witnessed at that particular point. Uh, My observation just as a person who has become less confused but is still confused In observing the film, one of the things that stood out to me was the manager, Jerry Heller, who is a white male classified as a so-called Jewish male. Um, There was a point in which when Ice Cube left the group, he was very critical of Jerry Heller, particularly of the way that he mismanaged uh, the finances and refused to uh, credit Ice Cube as the composer of a large body of their work and compensate him adequately and even give him a contract. And he pointed that out and he, um, pointed out a few other things that were inconsistent with the way in which Jerry Heller dealt with him and dealt with other members of the group. And it was interesting that after that report was shown, Jerry Heller seemed to be really outraged at what he classified as anti semitic remarks that he says that Ice Cube made. And it was like the rest of the group who were sitting around watching the same report, they were, you know, some of them laughed it off as if, you know, wow, that's funny that he said this, he said that. Some of them were personally outraged that he Level certain criticisms, but Jerry Heller going with this anti-Semitic thing, and he went off on a rant and rave and talked about how he would get his friends from the JDL to get involved with this and all this other stuff, and and he seemed to express to the group you know, how atrocious it was that, that uh, this anti-Semitism was being practiced against him. And one of the group members, I think it was he said, people in the hood don't even know what anti-Semitism is. And it was just rather interesting to see that even though this man was stealing and mismanaging funds for so many years that he thought – where well, he tried to put himself as the victim. And then later in the movie, when it is bought, um, there's an interviewer who... Uh, oh, spoiler alert for people who haven't seen the film. Sorry. There's a, another uh, portion of the film in which an interviewer, who appears to be a Jewish male as well, is interviewing Ice Cube at his residence. He immediately asks him about anti-Semitism and Ice Cube says response to him is I'm anti-Jerry Heller. Jerry Heller may be a Jewish person but what I want to know is do do you as a Jewish person and, and JDL do you support the way that this man has mistreated and abused us? And it was like they just totally sidestepped the question. And it was like, he was like, oh, okay, so it was okay for you to ask me about so-called anti-Semitism, but when I ask you about this person stealing money and so forth, you don't want to address that as a Jew or just as a person, period. You want to sidestep that. And then finally, later in the film, when Eze, after years, comes to the realization that this individual has been siphoning off funds for years. He confronts him and he says to him, This is just how the business goes. This is just the business. It was never personal. I always made sure I took care of me, took care of me, made sure I was okay. And it was it was quite telling and I thought that in itself was an important Portion of the film that I thought that uh, would be constructive for younger black people to see to see how much of a disconnect there is in the mindsets of individuals who exploit and mistreat you that they see it as business as usual they are focused first and foremost on exploiting you for maximum gain and even when you end up in dire circumstances that they will not have any sense of you know regret or anything they'll still stay the course with the belief that it's still your fault that was just my observation
7: Uh, uh, we can do uh, there's one other person who wanted to comment on NWA before we get uh, the lead up to uh, Shani's film experience one other person who wanted to comment on NWA Straight out of Compton, rather, the film. Oh, nobody else had feedback on that? Fascinating. I would check out, uh, again, John Patage. There are other uh, books and sites as well that have insight. I think even uh, Minister Paul Scott, he has a link at the bottom for uh, other references that you can check out to get more information with regards to how uh, powerful racists, white people, used uh, the group N.W.A. to further the system of white supremacy. Um, Interesting to to check out and kind of compare and contrast with the film. Again, not encouraging, hopefully discouraging black people from going to the movies to see this film. Uh, so the lead up to your film experience, Shani, what, uh, what did you observe in Root?
6: Um, well, I heard prior to going to the movie that the, at the LA premiere, they have beefed up security during the premiere, e- even at the one where the celebrities were at. And, um, a lot of people are like, oh, hmm, that's kind of weird. Why would they do that? And their response was, well, because we're worried that it's going to that we're worried about violence, you know, since the war, the riots that were happening in Ferguson mostly recently, we're worried that this movie might incite violence. So i was like, okay. So then, you know, they said it was going to be universal pictures is reimbursing, um, movie theaters. Um, so they're actually having security and they get money back after the, after the movie premiere and after the movie is being shown, they get money back for, um, Having security at the movie theater, but besides that, um, I'm thinking, okay, well, this is probably this can't be at every single movie theater. So I'm I'm at the movies in my local town, and the town that I went to is South Plainfield, which the cops are racist there because the next town over is Plainfield, where the majority of Black people live, like right next to it. So I come there, I see a paddy wagon. Out. Look at that paddy wagon. I've ne- I've, I mean, that's the first time in front of my eyes I've actually seen, like, a paddy wagon. Like, did you see it? You saw it in the Freddie Gray. Like, they put him in one. That's the first time I've actually seen one in person. So, it's kind of weirded me out a little bit. So, we walked inside, and there was, like, cops in there. Oh. And they were standing where you just give them the ticket and stuff. But they were also standing by the door for the movie. Oh, like, so, they were doing two double checks. So they check my bag. I was like, what the heck is going on? For, for, for what I was, the white kid who was doing the tickets, he asked me and my boyfriend for ID. And they don't ask for ID. Now they do, all of a sudden. And my boyfriend showed him my ID, his ID, and they were like, okay, you're good. You have to show me ID because he showed me his. He's over 20 miles. Wow, like, okay. So as I, you know, t- pulled my bag, and said, like, oh, I got to check your bag, too. What are these two cops, like, because I saw him nodding at him, like, like, nodding for him to ask. And the white kid, he obviously he looked he looked uncomfortable asking because, you know. So I had him look in my bag. He's like, "Okay, you can go in." So as him, he's like, and he's like theater twelve, and theater twelve was a it was a smaller theater, um, with the amount of people that was supposed to be at this movie theater. I don't know why they didn't have them in a bigger theater. They had everybody crammed into this one small theater. Go figure. So we get to the theater and there's another cop standing there. Oh, um, I said to check your bag again. I just got my bag checked. So then as I get in there, I see a bunch of black people in there, and they're talking about it. All these black people in there look pissed. And I see some white people come in, they're all smiley. Interesting. They're just smiling away, like they're just ready to see this movie. I was like, I wonder if these people got checked. Interesting. I, I didn't even get a chance to check. So I was annoyed. Uh, this black girl could talk about it. She looked pissed. I was like, this is very interesting. And, you know, I put my experience, I, I went on Facebook to talk about it. Lo and behold, there's a whole bunch of people told me, yeah, yeah, some people were telling about that. There was cops at a theater. My friend from Brooklyn told me they had cops. That was the only movie they had cops for. Trainwreck didn't have a cop. And Trainwreck was the one where there was a shooting in Tennessee. But they didn't have a cop in front of that movie. So, you, so they can't sit there and say, oh, because of the recent movie, movie shooting, we decided to have cops. No, it's because with the whole thing, you're in, think there's going to be a whole bunch of black people in one location. And you need to have these cops there. That's all it is. And I read an article in the LA Times. They said the reason why we have them is because we want the audience, uh, the, the the moviegoers, to feel comfortable. That doesn't make sense. How am I going to feel comfortable? And And specifically who are you talking about? Cause
7: it's not black people. It has to be white people. So yeah, I was annoyed. Fascinating. That's, that is a great PSA right there <laughs> for not going to the movies. Uh, but that, that is consistent both with regards to when you have actual shootings. Cause I don't, I don't recall folks can tell me if they had, a mass uh, surge in security at movie theaters after the shooting in Aurora, Colorado, at the Batman shooting. Uh, I don't remember if they if they did that for Batman subsequently. Um, nope. But, but uh, I know with Trainwreck, I know that they did not follow up and, and have security at, at theaters and say, oh my gosh, we couldn't possibly have, a, we can't have a repeat of this at Trainwreck. Uh, but there's a pattern uh, also of them uh, just movies that are associated with black people—they did with this, with uh, *Do the Right Thing*. Spike Lee even talked about this last summer when they had the 25-year anniversary of *Do the Right Thing*. How they said that black people were going to riot. Uh, at the movie, and they were even scaring people off and saying they need to have security. Uh, I think they did the same thing with Boys in the Hood. I think there have been quite a few other releases, uh, particularly things that, films that get associated with black people, uh, and saying, oh my gosh, the black people are going to riot. This is this is uh, an outrage. We need to have uh, the National Guard to uh, keep security in the theater. Uh, that is that is a long running pattern. Um, other folks... No, can... Go ahead. Can, I, can I,
9: um. We saw the movie last night in an area of Brooklyn, which is called Brooklyn Heights, downtown Brooklyn, and Brooklyn Heights is one of the most economically affluent neighborhoods in Brooklyn, um, just to give people an idea of how economically affluent a brownstone in most Brooklyn neighborhoods these days is going for about I mean, they're up from the course of what would have been about four or 500000 a few years ago. They're up in the neighborhood of about $1.5 to $2 million. In Brooklyn Heights, a brownstone sells for about $7 million. Just to give you an idea of the sort of neighborhood it is. Now, we went to that theater. Um, we attempted to go to another theater initially, which was in East New York, which is predominantly a black neighborhood. And it was sold out there. So we went to Brooklyn Heights, which is downtown Brooklyn. And um, one of the things that I noticed in looking for movie times is that most of the theaters that this movie was playing at, they were showing it on at least three to four screens, So, um, which suggests that they anticipated a large turnout. I mean, because multiplex theaters are not usually going to dedicate more than two screens to a movie that they don't consider to be a huge box office draw. So that was interesting. I mean, considering that you have movies that are like what they would call a summer blockbuster, like Mission Impossible, I believe that was last week or the week before. I think that was maybe playing on one or two screens in the same theater. so it was interesting. Um, my wife and I, we don't, um, support the, um, snacks and beverages in the movie theater. So whenever we go to the movie theater, we bring our own. And usually we we'll, so we did that yesterday. And when we got, when I purchased the tickets before we went to the theater, I purchased them in the lobby kiosk. Um, just because we were having difficulty purchasing them online for some reason, which was strange because we normally purchase online. So we swung by the theater and purchased them in the kiosk in the lobby. And when I purchased the theater, there was a prompt that showed up that said, um, you will be asked for ID to see this film. Now I purchased, I've been to that theater the week before and at least four or five times in the last two months. And I've never seen that prompt come up on the kiosk for films that are rated R and so forth. And I thought that was strange, but I was like, you know, maybe that's something new that they're doing the films in general, even though that wasn't done last week, for mission impossible. So, um, we came back later. We, um, have our snacks inside of, uh, like, my um, laptop bag, which isn't unusual, something that we constantly do. And um, when we get to, like, we're moving towards the ticket taker, about two people in front of us, um, the ticket taker says, um, yeah, she's a black female. She says, um, uh, after I take your tickets, could you step to the side? Because these uh, two have to look through your bag, and the people were like, what? And there were two officers who were there, a black female and a so-called Latino male. And at that point, my wife looked at me like, uh-oh, we're going to really do it with food. You know, they really shun that sort of thing. So I was like, all right, let me just step off the uh, line, not so obviously go and put the food back in the car. And then as I went outside to go back to the car, to put the food in the car, I noticed that they had a police vehicle at the corner, and they had another one parked across the street, and they had two officers who were standing there like they were just looking at the line. So it seemed to be somewhat of a police presence because they were... Where the ticket takers were, there were two cars outside, uh, two officers standing there observing the line. And even when we got upstairs to go into the theater, there was an officer at the
7: top of the escalator and one who was standing near the doorway of the movie. That's so so we'll have to uh, we'll have to leave it there just because we have about 10 minutes left. I just want to make sure uh, if there are other folks that want to. Hop in, they can do so. But I do uh, confirmation, it seems, that there was a significant uh, security enforcement officer presence and uh, the, I guess he's saying unique experience of being carded and needing uh, identification. Um, any of the other folks who dialed in uh, who... Can I be heard? Yes, we can hear you. Go ahead.
2: How you doing, Gus? You know, it's funny. I was listening to what everyone was saying. And I think um, I showed a little anti-blackness myself because I wanted to go see the movie, but I said, you know, I'm not going on the first night because it might get shot up. <laughs> That's what I thought. Um, coming from the the '90s, you know that that used to happen quite often when a black movie would come out. You know, in, especially in Jersey City, where I'm from, you could expect there was going to be some type of violence after that movie or at it. I um, what, what I think that is and we don't usually talk about television here, but I just wanted to add, um, there's another show with a so called gangster rapper named Fifty Cent. And um he's experienced some racism right now. I don't think he quite knows how to articulate it. But um yeah, he killed his own son on the show, you know, and it shot him in the head, you know, because he wasn't a gangster. He wasn't willing to go kill someone else for him. And I think that's even more compelling, you know, because that visual, that's all everyone's been talking about, including white people. is man he killed his own son, you know, and just think of, just think of how, they're, how they're looking at that. Um, and when they had the Batman shooting, I remember it all um, because I was working in that area. I had to walk down on um, 42nd Street where they have um, two movie theaters, you know, all lit up, you know, it's Times Square. And they had a huge police presence, you know, machine gun cops in front of the movie theater. So it was pretty much the show. Don't even come here thinking about it. Um, I remember that as well. And um, you know, um, I had spoke to uh, a speaker back on uh, Fifty Cent. I spoke to you know someone, a confused black person, who was, man, you know, this guy's broke, you know, and and it um. You know, in his court documents, he wrote, you know, that he only has $4 million to his name. And, you know, at one point, this guy had about $200 million. And I had to explain to this black dude, you know, that when when you're black, you have to, all those investments he makes, he's smart. Because he's not, he doesn't have a lot of white people in on this. You know, he's trying to do it himself. So he's not in that you know, where he owes them. So he's putting his own money into all of that. So he's not really broke. He has his money into all his projects because he doesn't want to go to the bank and doesn't want to go to the, the Jewish guy that drops him because he came out with his own headphones and asked for that money. And um, that's all I wanted to say. Great. do you having an early show, Gus. Thanks. Uh, I would like to ask a quick question if I have a chance.
7: Uh, it was one person who had a hand up who hasn 't shared yet i wanted to make sure they got in uh i 'm uh I think we have satisfied uh the area of entertainment for the day uh so if we can if we have comments on other areas, other topics, but I think we are cooling the gang on entertainment uh for today uh The person at uh eight five six two did you have comments you wanted to get in?
8: Yeah, uh, greetings, everybody. This is uh, Puff. I just dialed in. People may have already made these comments, but I'm not really sure. Um, uh, I came in when somebody was talking about the, the what they went through when they went to the movie theater and put some food back in the car. I think that is a... And see, I didn't know that... that see, I haven't been to the movies in about two years or so. And so I didn't know all of this had happened. And so uh I guess this is the next phase of white supremacy, you know, they putting chips in everything, making it easier, you know, snap decisions, you know, about uh they want an elevated military presence and you know, with all the shootings that happen and maybe this is the um this is the entree that they needed to get, you know, a heavier police presence in everything that we you know in public like where people gather maybe you know the movie theater or wherever and um the the thing that i notice about the straight out of Compton movie
7: oh, we're I, I all good to, you we're know, all good out the on white Straight Outta Compton we're all good on straight out of Compton <laughs> you have other uh comments you want to share
8: yes uh i do want to get out that, uh the white media paints themselves as the heroes in all of these. Even though Jerry Hello put himself in
7: a reality. Straight out of Compton. We're put put all himself- good. We're straight out of Compton. We're all good. We're straight out of Compton. Do you have other comments you want to talk about?
8: Um, yes. Uh I did wanna speak on Hurricane Katrina. Uh my uh tease about Hurricane Katrina was from yesterday I didn't get a chance to make this comment. Uh the Carnival Cruise line has has been in New Orleans for years now. And so that is a port for where their ships leave. Uh and and it teased me that they can take twenty of those ships and do like a landing base for food and water before the military got there. And that's all I want to say. Go ahead.
7: I know. Did we, uh, miss anybody? And that's the same for everybody. Uh, we're all good entertainment, straight out of Compton. We'll have to save that for, uh, another day. Uh, but we had a lot of commentary on that already. Uh, did any of the other folks that had a hand up who have not been able to share, did y'all have commentary, uh, call her at uh, eight, one, seven, nine and call her in the Bay area. Did y'all have comments you wanted to get in? Uh,
8: may I be hurt? Yes, ma'am. Good afternoon or morning to, uh, to you guys and the callers I just wanted to ask I sent you an email with an article about um a black young lady in Texas that was pulled over by a white cop and she had to they did a a full body um a cavity search on her did you get that article
7: I did um we played I saw that last week um I think that got okay. more attention this week she does have a suit pending but um that happened. Uh, that happened a significant amount. Well, I won't say significant, but I think it happened some weeks ago. And uh, we played okay. an audio clip about it um, last weekend and discussed it. But yeah, I did see that incident.
8: Okay, I'm, I missed the discussion, so I just um, there was a radio program here in Detroit, um, and the attorney was on the talk talk radio program here, and uh, they were just discussing how the. Uh, you know, it was they wanted to really highlight that there were black officers that participated as well, and I thought that was interesting. Um, you know that they, you know that he, the attorney was just bringing that out. Uh, you know, I don't know if this was racially motivated because there were black officers that participated.
7: And I thought that was interesting,
8: uh, and that's all I wanted to share. Thanks for taking my call.
7: This was the attor- <clears throat> This was the attorney for um, the female that was violated. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Hmm. That is interesting. That is interesting. Standard operating procedure, though. Can't be uh, racism if there were any non-white people involved. So, uh, the caller in the Bay Area, did you have a comment you wanted to get in, uh, as well? Comment, question, uh, do you want to get in? Yes. Hi. Thank you. Um, I wanted to talk about, well, I just wanted to, um, add my, um,
6: My view on Hurricane Katrina, it'll be rapid. Um, As you mentioned throughout the days about this, I was just thinking, um, my son had a, when he was maybe three years old or something young like that, he had a little map, and it was uh, donated to him from... um, a teacher, she's elderly but she used to be a school teacher and she gave it to him and it was an older map. I think it was printed maybe in nineteen eighty one. And it's for children. And on that map they show everywhere that there's oil in in the fifty states. And what I did notice and this was before Hurricane Katrina that in the lower eighth and ninth ward there's a good deal of oil because they have the little flaps to show the children where the oil is it's everywhere. And that's where the oil is. I mean, I mean, it stood out to me specifically because I've always just thought of New Orleans as just it's bold. But when I saw the oil marsh which, and I looked it up, and it was in the Lower Ninth Ward. So when the hurricane hit, I noticed that uh, um, everybody in that ward
8: was evacuated out. And then as time progressed, they weren't allowed in and I can't get over the fact that there's oil in the low, or eighth and ninth ward. And I remember when um, George Bush went to Iraq, it was for the oil. So I just keep putting, cause that was in
6: 2001 and then in I think it was four or five when they flooded that, uh, when New Orleans had that catastrophe and I just keep thinking back to that oil and I believe that they're going to put in a clause or do something because it's going to come out because you're going to need, you
8: want to, want to use the oil. It's just how you put it together. But they're going to make sure that the people that own the land don't have any claims to that oil in those um, two wards. So that's what I wanted to um, kind of interject. I just never had time to push six. So thank you so much. And I'll mute my line. I don't
7: know. Uh pretty much we did our, this is not three, this is not intended to be a, a three hour uh, broadcast um, this was our shorter program just to give folks opportunity they can share particularly people that are either outside the states or can't normally participate uh, Shani did you have anything you wanted to make sure you got in before we wrapped up don't know if she did you hit your mute button yeah you're still there Shannon, did you have anything you wanted to get in did you hit your mute button
6: Oh, I'm here. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, Donald Trump. Uh, I I've been watching um the news lately with him and him talking about how you know he's up in the polls and all this stuff and I I guess I'm not like I'm not really into this whole politics thing but I kind of want to see what happens with I guess in regards to how he hasn't talked about how he's going to you know help out black people which I don't expect him to but I just think it's going to be interesting I will be very shocked if he becomes president um, I'm still trying to figure out how but that would be very shocking if he becomes president but I did notice during the Republican I did watch the Republican debate with my dad and there's a non-white, ma- a non-white male, Dr. You-
7: ben Carson. Ben Carson.
6: Yes. Um, I did notice when he was talking, um, he, he barely even talked that much. And I did notice he did say, well, I, you know, you have everybody else talking, but you're not letting me finish what I have to say. But yet Donald Trump and everybody else got to talk right after the buzzer ended. They got to continue talking. When he, when the buzzer ended, they wouldn't let him say anymore. So I mean, obviously it's Fox News. It's you know how it goes. So I was just like, wow, this is very interesting to to watch. Um, but I, like I said, I'll be very shocked if Donald Trump becomes president, and I don't know what's going to happen with that.
8: <laughs> um, can can I ask her a question? Hello. Go ahead. Oh, hello. Oh, okay. Uh, I want to debate also, and my contention is that uh, these people are just the rules before Hillary Clinton. They plan on giving it to Hillary Clinton to me, but before they do, you know, they're going to they gonna pretend to vet other candidates is what I'm seeing. Are you seeing the same thing or no? Oh, hello? Hello? Oh, you're asking me? No, I asked. I, I watched the uh, Republican debate as well, the last one with uh, Donald Trump. That was on the Fox News channel. And um, they plan. my contention is they plan to give it to Hillary Clinton. All this, pretending to vet other candidates like all those governors from the different states and Ben Carson and Donald Trump. It's just the rules to until they can get Hillary Clinton. They're going to give it to Hillary Clinton, but before they do, they just want to create a little, in other words, pretend to vet other candidates. And and is that what you noticed also, or you have a different view on that?
6: Um, I actually noticed that uh, as well. Um I've also been, I don't know, for some reason, um, a lot of people are saying that there's no way Hillary could run for president, I guess, especially, I guess since what's been going on with like, uh, her little email scandal and the whole Benghazi situation and this, they wouldn't trust her to be president and all this stuff. But Donald Trump, yeah, he's a negotiator. And, um, and I guess he—he, he, I guess he's saying what he means, and he, you know, he's putting it out there like this is what I'm gonna do. I'm not like all the other politicians who say something and then do the complete opposite. So I've heard, I've heard that in regarding in regards to her, but I've also heard that you know she's probably not gonna be the one uh, to uh, possibly be president because of those other things. Oh.
7: Right on. That'll be uh, something we could keep an eye on as things uh, roll on. I know one thing I did have down in my notes with uh, some of the recent speeches that like Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, I think it was a few other folks as well, when some of the protesters that have been associated with uh, Black Lives Matter, what they're calling Black Lives Matter, um, one of the things I saw, I know Hillary Clinton, allegedly, she supposedly met with them and she put them in the overflow room. Uh, I think when they were here in Seattle, uh, they got interrupted. Bernie Sanders, he got, uh, interrupted when he was trying to speak. And I think that had happened a couple of times before, um, in seeing that I was just saying, wow, like I, I have no beef. They're victims of racism and they're trying to go out and, and do the best they can to work against racism. So right on. Uh, But I was just saying, wow, like I, I feel like if I attempted to do that, right, (laughs) like I'm remembering I have seen like Tim Wise in person and he had security. Um, I wasn't going to like put him in a headlock or be nasty or anything. I was just moving, you know, to get a closer vantage point of what was happening. And I felt like security was moving to make sure that he was protected. Like I, I just have a very difficult time conceiving if I wanted to hop on stage to, you know, ask some questions and grill Bernie Sanders or another white person that this would be allowed without me being like tased, beaten, shackled. Like, um, it just, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe that's not strange or maybe people have an explanation, but I just, uh, I, I feel like I would not be allowed to do that and live to tell about it or certainly without being like arrested, jailed, harassed, sodomized, who knows? Um, we should be back tomorrow. Same program time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Enola aired. She was on the program before. Uh, She did great work with regards to the emancipation and emotional healing circles. Um, She was just talking about black mental health in general. Uh, We spoke with her in 2012. Uh, It would be great to kind of get some of her thoughts on Mm -hmm. some of these uh, suspicious deaths in custody that have happened. Uh, and particularly where they're alleging that this is suicide, to get her thoughts on if that's even plausible and what she thinks about some of these cases, uh, as well as just how we can protect ourselves with all of the, the trauma, everything, Hurricane Katrina, and just daily images of black people being bludgeoned and killed by uh, white citizens or enforcement officers. Uh, will would be great to kind of get her on to hear uh, her views on things we can do to bolster uh, black mental health. But normal program time, normal program time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Monday evening. Uh, If you get confused, if you have problems, if you're trying to locate something in the archives and having difficulties, just drop me an email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com and you can just let me know. Like I said, if you. Any problems, if you're having suggestions, uh, if you have gripes, uh, other commentary that you want to get in, feel free. Uh, Ben Tillman, just to make sure, uh, FYI, Ben Tillman and the Reconstruction of White Supremacy. We have two sessions left uh, this Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, We have two to go. Uh, I hope it has been constructive for people who've been following along. Uh, It has been a hoot to read. (laughs) I have learned quite a bit, uh, but we'll be finishing that off. Two to go. Uh, Friday will be number nine, and then next week we are all... Done. Uh, Julian Bond passed away as well this weekend. I think that was front page, New York times, Washington post. Uh, I posted that on the Facebook page. Uh, I took his class on the history of the civil rights movement at the university of Virginia. Uh, great information learned a lot, got a lot of great details. Uh, he was unfortunately in a tragic arrangement cowbell, uh, but he did do a lot to work against uh, racism white supremacy uh julian bond passed away that's uh interesting to read on as well um we will wrap up uh i guess i'll check before we wrap uh does somebody if if you can be like concise 30 seconds does anybody have anything they need to get in that they can do in 30 seconds i can take one person if they can be concise if you have one thing that you want to make sure you got in before we wrap up
2: Yeah, quickly, on um, man, um, Phil Valentine. Uh, I think he's been a guest on your show before. He did a whole um lecture. It should be on YouTube, and it was around the time of the the oil spill over there. Remember, they had the the oil spill down there in New Orleans, um, for man days and days and days where they tried to blame Obama for it. Right. Um, the, he did a whole lecture, and in that lecture, man, he laid out so much information on pretty much proving that there's gold under that ninth Ward, that, you know, the lower ninth down in that whole area. And, um, you know, he pretty much said he best, maybe not in our lifetime, but it, and, and in the next, you know, 30, 40 years, they're going to start drilling in that area. That's why they were clearing it out. And also in Haiti
7: as well, he said, there's also oil. That's all I have to say. Right on uh mr Valentine dr. Valentine, yes, indeed, has been a guest uh on the program uh we will be back uh monday evening uh again, let us know if you have uh suggestions on twitter at until justice and fundraising for the summer of twenty fifteen racism notesblogspotcom blogspot dot com racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot listener-supported counter-racist radio. Uh, You'll see the PayPal button on the top right corner of the page. Uh, If you're not into PayPal, let me know, and we'll hook you up with a physical mailing address. Uh, Thanks to all the folks who have invested down through the years. I hope the program has been, continues to be, worthy of your time and energy. Thanks for everyone who tuned in. Uh, Thanks to Shani for hanging out with us as well. I hope it was a constructive investment of your Sunday morning. Uh, We will be back soon. Remain codified. Enjoy the remainder of your weekend. Buckle up if you're in the vehicle. Minimize likelihood of having contact with race soldiers. And definitely, sobriety would be best under conditions of racism. Uh, You do not want to be around any white folks who are under the influence Even be careful about the non-white people that you're around. If they're under the influence, uh, it's just an environment that is ripe for a lot of unnecessary problems. Uh, You don't want to be intoxicated behind the wheel, even if you're going to be a passenger or even a pedestrian. Uh, Be very careful. Racists, they will be on the lookout for any justification to terrorize and abuse black people you heard about that black female again down in texas who was sodomized over i think they said uh two thousandths of a gram of cannabis or some ridiculous uh amount uh two two thousandths of an ounce or two thousandths of a gram i forget which one it was but it was a very 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 small amount uh that she had to go through all of this torment and humiliation keep that in mind uh that that is the system that we live in that can happen at the drop of a dime to any of us That being said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you're so brainwashed.
0: I'm a victim, no brother.
7: problem. you a victim.
1: Hey, I'm up. a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning.
0: Mm-hmm. Even my
1: conditioning has been conditioned.
0: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.